0: I was a overweight, overworked you know uh lawyer with no money in the bank and a path that had me kind of eventually paying off debt and you know moving to a bigger house and joining a country club and there's nothing wrong i mean there's nothing wrong with that if that's your goal, and that's the path you're on um but to look at where I am now, just you know four short years later. Of focusing on the things that are important to me and then the success I've had in a business context to provide for my kids um, has been transformational. You know, I can't attribute that solely to diet, right? I think it was a change in perspective overall for me. Um, but I can't imagine it doing it without a really um, disciplined approach to health and wellness. And and using that as fuel to continue to, to do uh, the things that are important to me.
1: Welcome to the Eat Green, Make Green podcast. I'm your host, Pat McCauley. This podcast is all about celebrating the lives of those who have adopted a plant-based or vegan lifestyle and how it has positively impacted their health, relationships, outlook on life, and so much more. For more episodes and information about the benefits of living a plant-based or vegan lifestyle, visit eatgreenmakegreen.com. This week's episode of the Eat Green Make Green podcast is sponsored by Darwin Clothing. Darwin makes men's dress shirts and henleys, and I'm telling you when I bought my first Darwin dress shirt, I will not buy any other type of dress shirt. The fit makes me look good, makes me feel good, I can wear it tucked in. It doesn't come untucked. Um, I can wear it untucked. I just love everything about it. They are handmade in Boston's south end with the best high-quality fabrics. Um, The shirts literally make six to seven hours to make per shirt. I mean, it's an incredible product. If you care about how you look, which I do, uh, I want to look and feel my best at all times, then you need to check out Darwin Clothing. You can literally go to the website darwinclothing.us and shoot Peter, the owner, a text, and he will take care of you. I mean, there is no other buying experience that comes close to that. Um, They are unbelievably made shirts, and I really recommend that if you wear a suit every day or you are more of a Henley guy that you go to darwinclothing.us and shoot Peter a message. At the very least, he'll give you more information. Amazing local brand. Hey, everybody. I first want to apologize. There's some noise in the background on this episode. We were in a busy office in the city, and there's buses going by and some car alarms going off and whatnot, so forgive me on that. Today's guest is a man by the name of Chris Reel. I met Chris about a year and a half ago, and it took me about five minutes of talking with him for me to say, this is a guy I want to be around. Every time I meet with him, I leave energized and with some type of new perspective on things, and this podcast was no exception. What most friends and colleagues probably don't know about Chris Reel is that four years ago, While working as a lawyer and on the path of a typical suburban father with a wife and kids in a white picket fence house, he was thrown a curveball, a rare cancer diagnosis. Doctors told him it could be one of 10 forms of that rare cancer, and nine of those 10 would likely prevent him from seeing his second child born. By the grace of someone above, it turned out to be the one that would give Chris a second chance at life. While recovering after his operation to remove the tumor, Chris told his wife he was going to run the Boston Marathon eight months later. He did. His experience has completely changed his outlook on life and has taught him to focus on the things that matter most to him, his family, his health, and doing the things he loves. If you told me that a few years ago, Chris was an out-of-shape lawyer, I would not have believed you. The Chris I know is an ultra-endurance athlete an avid surfer, a guy who swims with sharks on vacations to remote parts of the world, and someone who I truly admire for his ability to balance family, athletic training, travel, and a successful career, all with a very laid-back mentality. What's crazy is, by focusing on the things that truly matter, he's experienced even more success in business and in life. This is a very special and somewhat emotional interview about the importance of getting off of life's treadmill and restructuring your life around what's truly important. So without further ado, my good friend, the one and only Chris Reel. All right, we got Chris Reel in the house, the, or as his, his Instagram following knows him as The Real Chris.
0: Yeah, all, all eight people would will be, will be happy <laughs> to hear that.
1: So you were just out in Hawaii?
0: I was, yeah. Yep, we were uh, went out with my wife uh, and two kids, so five and three, two girls. We're out there for three weeks. We're on the north shore of Oahu and Kauai, so great trip.
1: So you recently, within the past couple of years, started taking these kind of out-of-the-box trips, yeah?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we, you know, when... We like to try to get away for longer periods of time and, you know, not necessarily in a resort. I mean, we don't, you know, don't stay in a hotel, kind of pick a place, go there. So for H- Hawaii this last time, you know, we stayed in a, you know, small little beach house, um, kind of, you know, really took it easy, did a lot of activities with the girls. Um, you know, I surfed with a friend out there quite a bit, um, but really the rewarding thing is, you know, spend time a lot, a good amount of time with our kids, uh, able to do things with them we wouldn't be able to do on a vacation. So, for example, my five-year-old on this trip uh, gets to go back to school and tell her friends she swam with sharks, you know, cageless, uh, which is incredible. Uh, I didn't even think about doing that when I was five years old. Uh, went on an ATV and cutest thing ever in the middle of it turns to me and says, Daddy, I've been waiting to do this my whole life. So for Five years she's been waiting on an ATV and then it happened and then went ziplining uh, and surfing, so it's just really cool. Uh, ability to kind of you know step away from the day to day grind, go somewhere for a while, uh, relatively speaking, and connect with my kids, you know, on activities we like to do as a family. So, uh, you know, it's, it's great. I mean, I think we'll look back. I mean, the, we just got off a uh, 24 hours of flying and in airports and they're still adjusting so right now you know it feels like a lot of effort to do that but i think you know even while you're there making those memories with them you can see it having a lasting impact on their personalities and just being able to spend more time with them so it's good nice and this is
1: relatively common for you right to kind of go on these like i said out of the box trips at least you know when you tell me about the trips you go on like i they're not something the average you know thirty five year olds you know suburban dad goes on yeah in my opinion we
0: we've <clears throat> we've certainly prioritized it and we um have structured our lives around it right so um, we will forego you know maybe some of the other luxury items uh, that we otherwise might afford or a bigger house or you know we make Kind of, and been and structure my work around it a little bit um it's you know probably one of the most important things f- for my wife and I in terms of how we you know stay on task um with what we're doing so yeah so we go we try it a couple times a year so uh last trip we went on you know nothing big but you know just basically hopped in our our truck and went and camped all around Nova Scotia right um that's a shorter trip, but You know, it was awesome for our kids, but, you know, we saw it while we were there have an impact on them in terms of just setting up a tent, you know, not having, not having kind of any set agenda and just going with the flow. Um, So it's cool. You know, I I think uh, the Disney trip is probably on the horizon at some point, but but you haven't (laughs) escaped the Disney trip. No, no, I mean, you got to do it, but I think for now uh, we think it's just a really cool way to connect with our kids. Um and you know something to look forward to for you know every every six months or whatever and uh, and it works for us. So
1: gotcha. So before we get into kind of how that whole mindset on travel on family kind of <laughs> focusing on those things in your life before we get into all that and how that mentality developed uh, for those that don't know you. Can we talk a little bit about where you grew up, uh, what life was like growing up, how you kind of got to where you are today?
0: Yeah, of course. So I grew up in Rhode Island, uh, westerly, like a little beach town, um, you know, typical kind of Americana. Um, spent a lot of time in the summers at the beach, you know, playing sports, um, went there, did, I was a horrific student. Um, you know, played, played sports, always did enough to kind of stay in good graces to, to play football, baseball, and basketball.
1: Um, the the but, bare minimum to pass. Yeah, not even passing. <laughs> I mean, I, I think
0: at one point, you know, my junior year, I had like a 1.8 GPA, which is failing.
1: You mm-hmm. know, it's just
0: it's disgusting looking back on it. Uh, you know, it's not anything I'm proud of. But at the time, you know, it just wasn't a priority for me. Um, So I ended up going to a state school in Massachusetts, um, played football there for uh, a year and then transferred out of there. uh, Once I got my grade, you know, once you get into college and you kind of smarten up, um, did really well there and transferred to uh, George Washington down in D.C., uh, interned on the Hill, ended up working in politics a little bit um, and then. Worked at a lobbying firm, did a lot of government relations work for, you know, kind of big companies, helping them navigate Washington. And, you know, being in Washington, when you're that age, you get a lot of opportunities. And, you know, it's 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 populated with a lot of young people that uh, at least come in with a lot of idealism and want to work in politics. I was one of those. And did a lot of cool stuff. Went to law school part-time uh, at George Washington. Didn't really have any... Uh, Ambitions of being a corporate lawyer or working at a law firm, but just kind of treated it as, you know, something to do and career development. So tough, you know, tough schedule. I mean, you're working a full time gig uh, and then you're going to school at night at law school at night, starting at six o'clock and you're going till nine. And then you're finding time to do work in between, so it's a grind. For you know, supposed to be four years going part time, I ended up doing it in three and a half. Um, so it's not a not a fun time, I mean, I, and and still having to pay expenses. So uh, I ended up sleeping on people's couches for six months. You know, hustling side jobs to make it work, waiting tables. I mean, looking back on it, I just I don't know how I was burning you know the candle on both ends, but. Uh, Got that met my wife. Uh, She was living up in Boston. And ultimately, the economy was doing well. I had a lot of student loans, despite the fact I was doing everything I could to keep them down uh, and ended up taking a job as a corporate lawyer in real estate in Boston. Um, And there was a little dip in the economy, as everyone's familiar with. Uh, But, you know, so got through that and then worked there for for five years.
1: So you're in Washington. You meet your wife in Boston. Yeah. How, how'd that happen?
0: Uh, I was up here for the summer uh, doing a summer internship program. Like, so for law firms, they do these kind of um, summer programs where you go. They pay you a ridiculous amount of money, and they at the time and I don't know if it's still the case, um, but at the time, you know, it was you're going out to dinner every night you're having lunch you're not really doing a whole lot of work you know they're basically trying to recruit you um so that had a lot of appeal to me i don't know i didn't know at the time that that's what i wanted to do ultimately i thought i was gonna go back to dc and kind of continue with the lobbying but it was a good way to make some money and enjoy boston for the summer and at the end of that summer i met my wife and she was living up here i had a blast um up here in the summer in boston and uh Decided to just move back, so...
1: And you're how old at this point? 20? 20,
0: 23
1: or 4. 23 yeah, or 4? Yeah. And is there... Are you kind of just going with the flow, or is there, like, some... Is there some bigger picture in terms of... Do you know, like, what you want to do, or has that not developed yet? You're just kind of, like, going to law school because, you know, you, th- you think the degree would be good, but you're not sure how it's going to be kind of fit in with with everything what, what's the thought process? yeah no
0: it's like no it's a great question man. i thought a lot about it just in the sense of like even looking back on it and recounting it now in a very concise way like what was i you know going to law school for part-time working crazy hours for what was the end goal there right and, I, and especially coming from someone who essentially almost failed out of high school right like how mm. do you what what made that switch and kind of how did i End up there. And, uh, you know, I think it was just, I mean, you kind of have a playbook that you see and read about, right? Like, okay, you work hard, you go to school, um, you grind it out, and then, you know, you're going to make a lot of money one day, right? Or whatever. You just kind of, I would say, going with the flow in that sense, which is, you know, I thought being a lawyer sounded cool and successful, and so I went to law school, right? And didn't give it a whole lot more thought than that, right? And um, and in terms of working hard, I've never been afraid to work hard at anything. It's just a question of priorities. And so at the time, what was informing me was just, hey, this is a path for me, and so I'm just going to tackle it and be the best I can, right? So I was into politics, so I went to D.C., Right, mm-hmm. I wanted to be a lawyer, so went to the best law school I could get into, and and, and worked to make it happen. Um, and then wanted to, you know, then then met my wife and was looking at a career path. And law firms paid the most and offered you the opportunity to work on interesting stuff. So went to work at the best firm I could. Right, and so I was always just kind of doing what I could and working hard, and then you know, kind of seeing where that took me. But no real. You know, no, maybe a wrong sense of priorities and maybe uh, uh, a different, certainly different outlook than I have now. Um, but at the time, it was just kind of tackling what was in front of me and, and trying my hardest, and, and that's where I ended up.
1: So you have kids young, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So what, what, at what point does that whole, what, what's the thought process? Um, so you're in Boston, you have, a, you have the, the legal... Yeah. legal gig, and you have kids pretty quick. What was yeah, so I was I so I was. Gr-
0: I mean, I was grinding at the firm. I went and worked to, at a firm doing, you know, when I came in, the, the the economy had tanked, you know, we were in a recession. I was lucky to have a job. There's a lot smarter people, a lot more hardworking people than me that were looking for work. Um, so I got in and just hit the ground running. I mean, I was work. you know, waking up at, you know, 5 a.m., work until 11 at night. You know, my wife and I were living in a dingy little apartment in Brighton, which is, a you know, not anyone that knows Boston. It's not right in the city center, and it wasn't great. It right. certainly no wasn't money. 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah and even though I, make, I was repaying student loans, she had student loans. You know, it's expensive to live. We were just, I mean, I, like I said, we were just grinding. She was working part-time. And then, yeah, we wanted to have a family. Um, so I had, a, had our first daughter, Annabella, Um, when I was a year and a half in. And it was one of those things where it was like, we had her, I mean, I took a week off, and I was just right back to the grind, right? And uh, we lived in Boston for a year with her, and was working like a dog. And then the typical trajectory of a suburban life, and you know, you get the job, you pay off your student loans, you have your first kid, and then the funny thing was what spurred us was someone stole our laundry out of uh out of the laundromat in boston <laughs> and so that they quickened the process right we were we just had enough right so we packed we packed her in the car and we were like we're not leaving um we hang them is where we were looking uh on the south shore just because of the, the commute on the boat but yeah we bought a house we bought a house right with money we could we couldn't afford it right we put the minimal amount down and, mm-hmm. and we're kind of stretching and had no safety net whatsoever um and you know the ranch house that you buy and we're on a path to having 2.3 kids with a white picket fence and two cars in the driveway and living the suburban lifestyle i mean that's what i had been working for right and that's i think in my mind what you were supposed to do next so we mm-hmm. did that and uh And that's how we ended up, that's kind of, and then we had our second daughter, um, Cecilia short time after that. So they're two years apart.
1: You're on, I've heard you use this terminology. You're on the treadmill, yeah. right? You're on kind of this straight and narrow path, kind of what you've always envisioned you're kind of supposed to do and the way you're supposed to go about life. And, you know, most people would look at you and say, that's that's the dream, right? You're, you're living the dream, you know, at least having some type of of success as in in your legal field, right? To be able to, especially, you know, even a down payment on a house in Hingham is, you know, for 99% of the world is, is pretty, you know, not something everybody can do, right? So you're on the treadmill uh, that I know you like to call it. And what year are you thrown Uh, you know, the curveball with, with sickness?
0: Yeah. So uh, not a story that I tell a lot. Um, So I might uh, get emotional or um, get get a little too deep, but um, so, yeah, so I, we were kind of on this path on the treadmill, you know, doing our thing. Um, And I was, I went to the gym, kind of worked out, you know, was, was working crazy hours but I think I went to Planet Fitness right like a couple days a week was trying to stay fit in Hingham uh they have a great fourth of July race uh that I think is a tradition for a lot of people you know we were new to town and so I was like all right I'd actually never run a 5k I'd never run any race period And I was like I'm gonna try to run this and just it'll impose some discipline on me and you know I think it'll 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 make sense. I think I was like two forty or two fifty at the time. I mean I was pretty mm. I'm like six feet, so I was I was a big dude. Um but, you know, wasn't obese and so I was just like, hey, this will be this will be good. So I was training for that a little bit. Um you know, wasn't in top form, uh wasn't really progressing the way I wanted, but I really had nothing to compare it to, right? Like I don't know what uh overworked, thirty year old with a newborn is supposed to feel like, right? I was lethargic and was just really trying to fit it in. Um so I did that and then you know, I was having some stomach pains um for that during that training and then woke up on fourth of July, like ready to run the race and was just couldn't move. Um, you know, really hurt and ended up having to go to the hospital. My wife, you know, it was serious then because it's not something i would do unless you know i absolutely had to especially since i was geared up to run this race and they found a tumor you know the size of a nerve football in my stomach and the crazy thing so i went home told my wife we're obviously very emotional and uh you know july 1 they get all the residents that come in so i went to south shore hospital local hospital thank god you know we're outside of boston and direct access to Dana-Farber, which is, you know, for my money, just the best place you could land, Uh, and got back there that night, and, uh, excuse me, and so July 1, they have all the residents come in. It's 4th of July weekend. All the big-name doctors that you want to get teed up with are
1: on. They're on on Cape (laughs) Cod. And then
0: it's it's July 4th, July 1, all the new residents start. So there's a bunch of kids my age or some even younger, you know, trying to tell you, like, oh, you got a tumor the size of a Nerf football in your stomach. They don't have any answers for you. There's a million different things it could be. You know, I'm like – my wife was pregnant at the time. We had to find, you know, someone to watch our daughter. So there was a litany of things that it could have been. Uh, there were people with a really good bedside manner. One, you know, was friendly. i uh, text back and forth with them. We ended up having a great relationship. There's some people that didn't. That were just like, yeah, this doesn't look good. So, I mean, you know, I'm just laying there with a wife that's pregnant, uh, a daughter, And no money in the bank and a prognosis that looked really grim uh long story short turns out what i had uh was a very very rare form of cancer um that's extremely slow growing don't know how long it was there um but i was you know just so wrapped up in life and working and you know that to the extent there are any signs of you know me being sick or having i just ignored them or didn't realize yeah, there's no
1: whatever. there's you didn't have that level of being in touch with your body at that no point no, no, no
0: no no i mean i was just like i said i mean it's just tackling <laughs> objects in front of you and 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 kind of progressing on the next step so anyway i am in. i'm you know of the 10 possible things that could be nine of those i wasn't you know i probably wasn't going to see our second daughter born, but it turns out the one it was, was the best possible case. Um, so went through kind of a month of getting teed up with the right doctors. They really diagnosed the problem, the issue right away, what it was. I mean, the precision with which they did it was incredible. If I would landed somewhere else, it might've taken longer. So on August 5th, uh, I had surgery. They removed it. Uh, they went in, you know, cut me open and, and took it out. And, uh, you know, decided right then and there that it was a wake up call. Uh and so totally changed my outlook on everything. So uh it was that I mean that's and we can probably go on from here in terms of what exactly that <clears> and unpack, <throat> you know, what exactly that is, but you know, to have that happen has been a completely life altering thing, uh for me and my family.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely would love to get into that. So you <sighs> So you said nine out of 10, right? So yeah. of what was the type of... Uh,
0: uh, it's called a gastrointestinal stromal tumor.
1: Yeah. And basically if it was nine out of the 10 possibilities, you likely wouldn't be here. Yeah. And, but it happened to be the one that was, you know, you could, you could manage.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was managed through surgery, like very slow growing, managed through surgery. So they took it out and look, I mean, yeah, I still go to checkups, <clears throat> excuse me, every six months. And, you know, it is what it is, but I think, to me, it's been four years now, um, and the trips you alluded to earlier, and kind of the all the stuff that I've done between now and then, like, it just wouldn't happen, if it was probably anything else that initially we had feared, and, you know, at the time, laying there, it's like, well from sleeping on couches and grinding through these long work weeks and you know just having a kid like what was that all for right to that point to kind of just have this huge health scare and particularly in that scenario was less concerned about me and totally focused on my wife and what her life would be like right and so I think (laughs) you know, that that background and, and color probably has informed more of the last four years and hopefully many more years to come of kinda of how we approach things, how I personally approach life and time with my kids and business and certainly health and and wellness um, more than anything else.
1: Yeah. So that's a good segue. How ha how have you changed your lifestyle as a result of it?
0: Oh, dramatically. Yeah, I couldn't pinpoint one thing, but I'll say, so So, start, so like I said, I mean, I had surgery in August, um, and I was determined to set the record of number of times I could circle the hospital floor, uh, after surgery, or I like, couldn't move. I was just like totally motivated to get moving. And I, you know, I, I think, again, it's one of those things like, how do you look back and say, well, what was the catalyst or, I mean, clearly a huge health scare was a catalyst, but what direction I went to. Like how I focused that energy, you know, I don't don't, now I couldn't tell you, but it was running for whatever odd reason. Maybe it was because I was training for a 5K and couldn't do it, and it was like, all right, well, let's try to step it up and uh, diet. So my wife initially um, had gone to school to be a dietitian. We treated diet as just. You know, you eat your protein, you kind of have your turkey sandwich, like we ate relatively healthy or at least what I thought, but there was no intent focus on it. So got out of there and in the hospital while I was laid up, couldn't move, I uh, told my wife I was going to run the Boston Marathon that year, um, which seemed insane at the time, uh, for Dan Farber and raised some money for it. And so that was August. So it was, you know, had some time till April, but that was... The, that was the intention. Right. And then, uh, couldn't run until October. Um, but just had a goal in mind and that was kind of what I was going for. So immediately that overtook the health, the, the fitness side of things. Right. Mm-hmm. So had that, did it, uh, and that was good. And then on the, on the, on the diet, I mean, I just started really getting smart on it. Right. Reading a lot of stuff, understanding you know what because i kind of took the approach of like look i don't really have any control over whether this cancer comes back or whether you know something else happens to me but everything that i can control i'm going to right like i'm going to own my my doctors are phenomenal right like smartest guys in the country i you know i was so appreciative of the quick work that they gave me and there's so many smart researchers looking at cancers like this and how you address them when you've already been, you know, brought into the system essentially and diagnosed and how you manage that. Like it's, it's unbelievable. Once you get kind of teed into that world, what people are working on and how they're addressing these things. And I like, I wake up and and think about that. And it's a good reminder every six months to go in there and get an update on the latest research. And you're blown away by, people are devoting their lives to come up with cures or, or at least treatments for only maybe a handful of people a year that get this disease, right? So you're thankful that that's out there, but I'm not smart enough to do that, right? I don't have the intellectual capability to come up with the, the cure for what I get, but for everything that I can control, I will. And so once you get into the research and you've certainly been uh deep in that and understanding it uh diet has like the biggest impact to me I and mean, you start uh, some documentaries and books and I, I don't recall any off the top of my head that had an immediate impact but it was everything was pointing to a kind of a plant-based diet and you know there's levels to that which we get into and I started very basic very you know salads and Incorporating more vegetables, immediately cut out red meat and chicken, um, and then have progressed from there. Just the deeper I've gotten into it, uh, and have really made that a focus. So that's that's how I mean. Yeah. I don't, know, I don't. Know, you know, looking back, it's, it's been seventeen different things, right? Running, diet, you know, uh, yoga spending more time with my kids getting more sleep not not uh not being as stressed out you know having a better outlook i mean all those things contribute of course right Mm -hmm. um but there's a couple core things that have continued to keep me balanced in that and i think diet and and fitness are you know at the top of the list
1: yeah so to get a little bit more into diet because most people listening to this are probably thinking about making a change or um, at least interested in a plant-based diet. So as you said, kind of, so you you saw, you know, when you really got into the research, like you saw this trend to, that points to plant-based nutrition as kind of, you know, your best bet at, you know, cancer not coming back and, yeah. uh, keeping you healthy. Um, so what does a, a general day look like for you? I know you're now on the complete opposite end of the spectrum and, you know, you're not in the transition phase anymore. You're very much particular and focused and know exactly what you're eating and why. Yep. Um, but for the crazy people like myself, can you give, <laughs> us, a, <laughs> give us a rundown of the day-to-day yeah. uh, food situation? Yeah. And,
0: I, and I, you know, I think we talked about this a little bit before. I mean, I don't really think about it. It's, like it's become so automatic uh, for me. So it's good to have the opportunity to kind of talk about it and see i And I think... You know you're you're clearly very regimented, and so and through our conversations I've, have have taken a lot from that as well. I mean, I think just to step back for one second, um, I did try to be a vegan for like three weeks, uh, like seven years ago, just <laughs> on a bet, right? And yeah. I think I probably ate a lot of fries and a lot, yeah, just very uninformed, yeah. right? And I yeah, think, the unhealthy vegan, yeah, actually. the unhealthy yeah. vegan, right? <laughs> and so. Um, now today uh you know i eat if you want me to run through it specifically or hey I
1: give mean, me a, just a, a rough like a sort of the the normal yeah yeah normal day so i'll
0: yeah. eat so so on uh in the morning you know i eat um a cereal that's that's just nuts and and berries um the antioxidants uh, particularly for that and hemp seeds and chia seeds right so after that, I don't really worry about getting protein or nutrients. like I, I pack that um, that breakfast pretty hard with the essential stuff that I think I need. Um, it's pretty filling, so that keeps me going um, past lunch. Um, then I'll eat you know a, a salad or you know a green smoothie for for lunch, and that's that's about it. I'll drink a kombucha, um, which I'm sure. Uh, it needs no introduction to the people that go into health food stores, but really helps with the probiotics and just, you know, makes me feel good. Um, and my wife on Sundays, my wife and I do a juicing of ginger and turmeric shots. Uh, and I'll have one of those a day, which is nasty and disgusting. My kids call it, uh, the fire bomb uh, (laughs) because they see the reaction, but, uh, but that's all I'll do. I'll make sure I do that. Um. And then my wife always cooks something awesome for dinner, you know, always 100%, uh, you know, plant-based. So kale, something with lentils, beans. Um, we've talked about this, so you know, i never used the kitchen in our house. Um, <laughs> and that's not a point of pride, it's just the reality, I don't know how to cook. So without my wife's assistance, it would be a little bit harder, but I'd probably be, you know, doing different stuff, like really on Sundays, doing a lot of these prepared meals and working around my schedule, but, um, she's such a fantastic cook and, and, and and we don't impose it on our kids. We try to educate them and and work around it. And she's, she's gluten-free and and generally has an understanding of this stuff. So I think that's just a huge asset and I really rely on her to have that meal at the end of the day. And then the rest of it is just me kind of making smart choices.
1: Mm. So, Next question, when it comes to the kids, yeah. and we've talked about this a little bit, but knowing what you both you and your wife know about the importance of you know e- eating plants versus you know the meat and dairy and all the processed crap out there, as a parent, how how have you kind of approached that whole situation with kids and you know them being in school and having access at the cafeteria to all this crap and you, uh, you, of course, know that's not optimal for them, and, you know, you, I'm sure, want to feed them what's best for them. Yeah. Um, how have you kind of approached that whole Oh, dude, it's a, daily, whole it's, a daily, it's a daily balance
0: of striving. For whatever reason, I don't know if they're born with it or just kids just, my kids at least, just have zero interest in vegetables. Like, they just, mm. I mean, they don't taste great, I granted, when you just eat them. But, I mean, we do enough to dress them up, right? So they just they're attracted naturally to the the stuff that I don't think is good for you but um it's a struggle man it's uh, i think i told you this before and it's probably a good anecdote to to the how we approach it which is you know we try to feed them what we eat but like we were on vacation i think i told you this summer and our host uh did a pizza night for us and our and he laid it all out before we got there. And we don't really make a big deal about dietary restrictions or anything or, or kind of trumpet that. And my kids go up there and there's pepperoni and sausage and bacon laid out to put on the pizza. And he was playing a game with them. Like, hey, can you guess what this is and cover your eyes? And my oldest daughter picked up bacon and you know he was trying to give her clues. Like, you eat it in the morning. Banana, right? <laughs> and, you, know, like, you and she's like uh, cereal, and she had she had bacon, and it blew her mind, right? And cool. we let her, we just let her have it, and she ended up making the pizza, and it was like dough, cheese, and then a pile of bacon, right? Mm. And uh, she wasn't exposed to it before that, and so I think it's a balance of kind of exposing them a little bit to that stuff. Letting them have it as a treat, right? So understanding the concept so that when they start making their own decisions, it's not like they were deprived for 10 years of eating bacon or, or ice cream. And, you know, while we were in Hawaii this last time on a trip, I mean, we spoiled them, right? We let them have ice cream in bed occasionally, I'm a big fan of dark chocolate. That's my one thing I didn't mention in the daily. Uh, <laughs> I can't mention, but I'm like, right there with you. Yeah, yeah, so a, a little dark chocolate at night, like when we let them out. And then, you know, instead of eating um, cereal every night, I mean, ice cream, you know, we're out there, we'll get them an acai bowl, right? Or we'll put hemp seeds in, in their cereal or little things here and there, um, just to get them those nutrients. And when we go out to dinner, which is rare, But when we do, you know, let them have chicken fingers or something. Um, But they're not eating hot dogs, really. You know, they're not eating uh, sweets or candy. And and frankly, now when they go to a a candy store um, or a toy store, they're not reaching for, like, the worst candy in there, right? They're getting a piece of chocolate or they're getting a lollipop. And they appreciate that as the treat that it should be and that it is. Um Which I think is really cool, and I think you know as they grow up and get a little bit more understanding of it, you know our hope is that they just start making those choices on their own
1: mm. um, so it's a it's a balance between i mean at the end of the day it's kind of like it's a lot like you know drinking and that sort of thing. It's like you gotta you gotta educate them as much as you can, you gotta let them do their thing and figure it out on their own, right. but you know educate them and set them up to put them in the best position to kind of make the right decision down the road. Yeah, I think that's, I mean,
0: that's a great analogy, and the one my, that's the one my wife and I use. Like I, like I alluded to earlier, I, mean, I was an awful student in high school. Part of that was, you know, I had a long leash growing up with my parents who didn't really impose a lot of discipline on me, so I was boozing like crazy in high school, yeah. right? Like I was drinking, and when I got to college, I really, and I was on my own, and I could have drank every night, I had almost no interest in it, right? Mm. Or, or I was able to manage it at least, right? I went out and party, but at the same time, could get a 4.0 because I wasn't out, like, experiencing this. So I don't want, you know, that's not the you don't need to go crazy like I did or all my kids do, but I think if we kind of had a prohibition on all this all this stuff that, look, the reality is cheeseburgers taste good, right? Like, I don't miss eating cheeseburgers, but if I had never had one and, you know, then I was 15 and he took me to McDonald's, it'll blow my mind and then I might go off the deep end so yeah that's kind of how we approach it and you know I think just being in our house and and uh and being around my wife and I and us you know making smart decisions on our own we feel confident that you know the kids will follow suit so
1: yeah cool so a battle. <laughs> so we went from so you mentioned Boston Marathon kind of that first so you did end up Running that Boston. I marathon did, yeah. I the did. following what eight months later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so run the Boston Marathon, and then so you're now into like you know you do some like your weekly running schedule is pretty pretty intense, and you do some like kind of ultra uh, runs. And you're are you still doing the Grand Canyon thing coming up? So tell us about how yeah. how it became. It went from just that first kind of marathon that was. That lofty goal at the time to now you're you know you're running you'll go out for a 22 mile run today yeah
0: yeah I mean like you know it's just getting started and really focusing on it so like I you know before when I was talking about hey training for that 5k I look back on that and I was overweight and working a lot and I thought I was eating relatively healthy and it was a struggle man I, I like if you told me then like you're gonna work a marathon into your schedule and into your lifestyle. Yeah, I I just wasn't, I wasn't there and I probably wouldn't have been there. I know there's a lot of people that, you know, that do that, right. They'll run the occasional marathon and and they'll kind of let themselves go and then they'll pick it back up and I just wasn't wired like that. It's like set a goal and then like
1: work your ass off and then it's like, all right, you accomplished it and then you're kind of on the couch again for six months, right? Yeah. Like I was, I mean, I was hurt up after that
0: marathon and the funny thing is my, and you know, my wife would probably be better talking about this, but like. I'll finish a race, and and I set these these races, and and have continually tried to amp them up, and and, and do more, and the post race celebration is kind of booking the next one, not not because I'm like uber goal oriented, just because, you know, I kind of do it, tackle it, and then look forward to the next challenge. Um, so I've really, it's, it, you know, started with the marathon and the diet. And then once you get into it, and I think as people, especially, you know, in your audience are thinking about making a transition, like if you really kind of adopt it as a lifestyle, um, it's incredible the stuff that then starts happening for you, the amount of energy that you have. Um, if you're a goal setter, which I tend to be and kind of sit down at the end of every year and, and set my goals for the year. You know, it's always important, at least for me, to reevaluate them. So, like, at one point, running the marathon seemed insane, right? Um, and, but now, I try to keep it as a continuing goal that I should be able to run a four-hour marathon at any time. Mm. Like, tomorrow, you should ask me. And so I did that a couple months ago, right? Like, yeah. a buddy was a buddy was running a marathon, and I decided to do it with him. And, you know, I didn't feel great at the end, but did it, right? And so I think... I've kind of adopted the approach of like, I want to always be able to to run a marathon or to take on some kind of what seems like an arduous uh, task and just be able to do that. And then every year, it seems like now this year, you know, I'm elevating what those one or two races are a year to then train for that. Um, but when I'm tra- in training mode, it's not materially different than my day-to-day life um Mm. so it's been i mean and and i don't want to give the impression that like it's not taking over my life you know i'll do i'll work i'll get up super early to work out and i just have a tremendous amount more energy and i'm able to get a lot more done in a day so you wouldn't my hope is that you wouldn't know the difference between like when i'm in training mode versus when it's just every day kind of what I'm doing because that's it's a priority for me and, and yeah. something I center my life around.
1: So, what are you training for now?
0: Um, so for not being a very good swimmer, or at least not someone who focuses <laughs> on swimming, I decided to swim. It's it's only a mile and a half, but um, the al Alca- the swim from Alcatraz is in June, so I got that on the calendar. Um, I'm not a huge fan of cycling. I know you are, but not my thing. Uh, just for the amount of time it feels like you got to put into it and the long ride you have to do. Um, you know, I try to pack in a lot of the training on like a Saturday morning, just the bang for the buck doesn't, I enjoy it, but just the bang for the buck isn't there. So I'm going to do the, um, the, what's it called? Uh, pan mass, pan mass. Yeah. 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 So I'm doing that. And then I do these, these obstacle course races. Uh, so this, uh, ultra beast Spartan race, uh, in September (laughs) Uh, That's like 26 miles. You go up and around Killington. You basically start uh, in the morning and you got to finish before it gets dark out. So last year I did it only half of those so that you do two loops around the course. Mm -hmm. So I did the half one where it's like 13 plus miles with a lot of obstacles. That took me... Like seven hours
1: yeah and some serious elevation going oh, on. oh yeah it was it was, it was <laughs> i mean it was like
0: i and i wasn't prepared for it. like i was kind of i ran on a lark a little bit uh it was in vermont uh my wife's folks have a place up there so i was kind of like i said i mean, going just you know generally try to stay fit and take that stuff on so saw it signed up for it like day of the race was kind of ate breakfast with my kids was messing around you know, told my wife I was going to be done in three hours because I didn't even really know the distance or how long it would take. <laughs> and uh, it took considerably longer than that. So there was some, I'm not afraid to admit, there were some tears uh, on the course when, <laughs> when I realized we had to go up Killington again. But, uh, but it was good. So, yeah, I was, I mean, at the time, I was absolutely miserable finishing that race. And mm-hmm. then I told my wife I signed up this year for the one to do twice. Yeah. Right. Um, and I'm looking forward to it. You know, it's a good, it's a good goal, a good way to test myself for where I was last year. Um, we have another daughter due uh, in July. Congrats! Yeah, thanks, I didn't man. know that. Congrats. Yeah. So it'll be tough to balance <laughs> that training with uh, with uh, with parenthood uh, and a new daughter. But uh, you know, I think it's a good a good goal to mark myself against last year and and be able to take it down.
1: So it's kind of constantly. Those one, two kind of big ones on the calendar each year, just constantly a little, a little bit tougher than the year before Yeah, is kind of the goal. And then just to be able to wake up and run a marathon or hike or whatever, right? It's, yeah. just, it's just to be in that shape all year round.
0: Yeah, and I think a little bit of it is, um, so how do you incorporate that? Like I can tell you right now, I mean, I, have, I spend way more time with my kids not just on these extended trips, but like on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. I mean, I spend, I think a, a, a really good amount of time with them. I've found enough time to um, pick up new activities, right? Like things that I'm interested in, you know, kite surfing, for example. And, but at the same time, look, going to having a health scare when you're young with two kids with no financial security um, is extremely stressful. Anyone that's been in that situation that's dealing with the healthcare, you're worried about yourself and where you're going, but primarily if you have people that depend on you, that's my, you know, we've talked a lot about health and fitness, but that's been my number one goal, um, is saying, like, look, four years ago, when I was in the hospital, if I didn't get out, like, my wife was screwed. Like, there's no other way to say it, right? Like, mm. and I'm saying, I mean uh, 30... 30 years old is what I was, right? I mean, I wasn't thinking about life insurance. I wasn't thinking about socking away money. Like, we were doing just enough to, to, to get through. And I think the important takeaway should be maybe that, and that's been, like, shortly after that happened, I mean, I stopped being a lawyer, right? Which is, you're working for somebody else. Um, it's great pay, relatively and it's a rewarding career and there's certainly a lot of opportunity for career advancement. You're not taking a lot of risk in the sense that, you know, if you're good at what you do, and I, and I, I was, um, then you're going to have clients that come to you and you're going to have that kind of partnership track. Um, but I just stopped, right, and started betting on myself and and doing deals. Um, for me, it was real estate because that's what I knew. And uh crazy to think but you know I, my kids now it's been four short years we've talked a lot about health fitness someone had the impression that that's kind of been and, and spending a lot of quality time with my kids that that's been the thing for me but the thing has been um financial security right mm-hmm. and, I, and today um you know hopefully nothing happens to me but I don't, i'm not i don't have that worry about my kids uh, financial future and that's been uh, the result of some good fortune, obviously. Um, but also just hard work and, and, and focus and energy to, to say, look, you know, um, when you start having the right priorities, um, you adopt this kind of lifestyle and you, you get a lot more done in a day. And when you have the right outlook, um, which for me is just, Hey, um, making these, the time you have here count and, you know, being uh, energetic and positive and having a lot of optimism and understanding what's important and what isn't and not kind of dwelling on, you know, who screwed you or like what's next and just kind of being really present um, has opened up a lot of doors for me and professionally And, and, and part of it is just the energy I bring every day and kind of waking up early and using diet as a mechanism to continue to grow. Uh, and that's, that's been hugely important as, as part of kind of my post, you know, recovery life, um, and, and, and great for my kids and great peace of mind.
1: So, that's awesome. Yeah.
0: All
1: right. To, to change subjects a little bit, but not really. <clears throat> so you just got your, your face and head shaved? Yeah. Or <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, Granite Telecommunications in, in Quincy, Massachusetts, for yeah. those listening, has this every year where you go, you shave your head for cancer research for Dana-Farber, and it's, you know, all the proceeds go to cancer research or whatever Dana-Farber does with it, right? Yeah. Um and we were chatting a little bit before about this. I personally am hesitant to support cancer research, um, uh, cancer research in general, really, because I think a lot of our money should, you know, more be focused on educating people on how to prevent it. You know, I, I have the argument that, you know, we know the cure it's, it's prevention is the cure essentially. Um, so we pour the, you know, the billions of dollars into cancer research trying to cure the really really cure the symptoms and make people be able to live, right? That's that's essentially what we're doing, as opposed to why not just educate everybody about what caused it in the first place. And I know it's different with everybody, but you know, based on stats that are out there now. Um, you know, it's, it's like less than three, 3% of all cancer cases are, you know, purely genetic. Everything else, you know, was impacted by what you did, uh, up to that point in your life diet and lifestyle wise. So to me, why not put those billions of dollars into educating people so that, you know, less and less people develop it in the first place. So that's where my head is at with it. So I'm hesitant to like support a Dana-Farber and support kind of the big cancer research organizations, but you as a cancer survivor, um, and someone that also sees both sides of it, you know, you have the diet and lifestyle now, um, that was, you know, not part of your life previously. Um, so you've seen both sides of it. You've had cancer, you've come out the other side and, um, I'd be curious to know your take on, that whole
0: yeah so my goal I guess now is to is be on a personal mission to dissuade you of that notion uh <laughs> which I which I don't think will uh which I don't think will be hard when you kind of really and I, and I hear what you're saying um so first of all yeah so uh uh Rob Hale who's the CEO of Granite um huge supporter of Dana Farber him and his, him and his mom I have the good fortune of um kind of working for Rob and partnering with him here on some development stuff and that's its own kind of kind of story but yeah four years ago um was a patient at dana farber and you know uh and saw rob's name and his family's name you know on the building and now four short years later um we're doing some some great uh hugely impactful development stuff and so uh that's part of kind of what i was alluding to earlier on Mm. you know it's been a little bit of a wild ride and, 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 uh, and very fortunate to be where I am on that front. Um, but yeah, so Rob does this event, um, and Granite does this event and, uh, you know, he, he gave Dana Farber a check today for $5 million, uh, specifically around pancreatic cancer. And so when I, uh, and I'm a huge supporter of that, like I said, I've done a lot of fundraising um, yeah. activities and, And I hear, and I hear your point. I think when I, um, got linked into the Dana-Farber kind of universe, um, I knew nothing about cancer research at all. When I, and when I got in there, um, I was like, hanging on every word these doctors said, right? I mean, you are looking for just straws, man. You are, you, and, and when you start kind of peeling it back and you, you become really smart, really quick about your specific, specific cancer and the precision at which these guys operate. Um, and all the research that's gone into it before you showed up on their door, um, is so impactful and your wife is doing it and your extended family are looking at treatment options. Right. And I, and I hear you, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth way more than, you know, never showing up there. But unfortunately for some people, you know, that's just, they don't have that luxury, right? They've Mm. already, they've already either activated something in their body, which is, you know, going to lead to cancer or they're more prone to it. Um, And so you get into that system and you immediately become humbled like that. And you are looking for anything to help you get past that. And, you know, I had a uncle that unfortunately just died. Uh, He had a geoblastoma. There's some amazing stuff that's going on there. Um, And he, you know, explored every treatment option and unfortunately it was not available for him. So uh, that, the stuff that that's going on there in that space, when you, when you get tied in and you start doing some of this fundraising and you start really learning about uh, immunotherapy and, uh, and I'm not qualified to really speak to that, to that level, Um, you immediately, I think, become inspired to say, what could really be done here to impact uh, patients, families uh, that are, that, that have cancer or that are prone to it? And it's an undertaking, you know, and it it takes a lot of money. I mean, there's smart people you got to pay, there's facilities, there's, you know, thankfully with like some of the big data stuff now, you know, you're you're unlocking a lot of things. But, you know, the way it was explained to me when I really got into it was it's like a moonshot, right? And saying, hey, we're going to go land on the moon and we can do that, but for the prohibitive cost of kind of running all these different treatment options out. Or really marshalling a lot of resources into uh, these treatment options and so you know I think certainly uh, in our lifetime uh, there'll be a cure for cancer and I say that and it might be a manageable disease um, there might be some kind of cancers that are harder to treat than others but when you start really you know peeling it back and you go to Dana-Farber and you go to children's and you see some of these young kids that are Afflicted with this, and they've done nothing wrong, right? And mm. and and they deserve every chance they can get to to live a full life. Um, it's one. I think it's one. I think it's one of the most impactful places people can put their money right now, um, in my opinion. And I, I encourage you to have on guests that are a lot smarter than me in that regard. Um, but in terms of health and wellness, yeah, certainly education. What you're doing. Is very helpful i think yeah. you know people should understand like to me uh the prognosis of my cancer or any any cancer was the sooner you get in and treat it the better right and that's even after its form right i mean if you can start before that and say what can you do before you even get to that point like i think about that with my kids a lot right like mm. everything i don't think about it on a micro level like we're not serving them lunch and saying Oh, if she eats that, you know, turkey sandwich in the airport because of a lack of other options, she's going to get cancer, right? But I say, you don't know, want the kid to live a hundred plus years, mm. right? And so we think about it in in that regard, and it's and it's cheap to do that, right? It's not it, you don't you don't have to hire lab technicians or get space or 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 hope that there's a cure developed to, for your kid to not get cancer. You just feed them right and you make smart decisions and you know that increases your odds of of being healthier throughout so I think certainly I'd be hugely supportive of any effort to you know help continue education and doing things like this with what you're doing I think over time there seems to be more awareness either I'm exposed to it more because I'm focused on it Mm. Or there is more awareness. Um, I feel like people are making smarter decisions younger. People do get that, you know, sitting all day isn't great for you, right? People do get that eating red meat three times a week isn't the best thing for you. You see that, uh, you know, on the dietary guidelines. You know, when you go to Dana-Farber or you go to any of these treatment centers, they, every six months I go and you see there's new programs about health and wellness education and the doctors that are treating you and these extremely bright people, they only have so many hours in a day, right? They're, mm. they're, they're not focused on the latest kind of health trends or, you know, should you be doing a turmeric shot? And there's, but there are, I think with the explosion of kind of the content out there, podcasts, blogs, you know, I've latched on to a few different people and a few different resources. You can educate yourself on that for next to nothing, right? And then start making those uh, healthy life choices. And then God forbid anything happens to you and your family and you get tied into a a, a world-class cancer researchers, you're you're thankful every second that while you were focused on doing all the things that you could do, they were focused on, well, here's a safety net in case this cancer comes back or you get this cancer. Right. And so I, I think we talked about this a little bit and just to sum it up the way I approach it is everything I can do, I will do to make sure I live a a long time, but be enjoy the time I have here and have all the energy to do all the things I want to do and spend time with my kids. And then, you know, if something happens to me or Someone in my family, uh, I, the, the efforts of the Rob Hales of the world and other kind of leading philanthropists, you will be thankful when you get there that there are people that are putting in the hard, hard work um, to to help you. And yeah. uh, I think anyone that's gone through that, or at someone that's gone through that, you, be, you, you come out of that, and I don't see how you don't come out of that becoming just a huge supporter. Of all the efforts, because uh, it's extremely impressive.
1: You convinced me. All so right, I'm, man. So you're running. You, you you I'm donating now. You're riding the Pan Mass Challenge. Yeah. yeah. Is that for? Are we doing that for Dana Farber? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Beautiful. yeah. It's
0: a yeah. It's a huge uh, yeah. That all right, I'm fun. in now.
1: I was I was going to withdraw, but I'm in. Now. Yeah. All <laughs> right. Good. Yeah. No. No. Uh, I mean,
0: I the I, thought I, the thought of staying on a bike for two days.
1: It's going to uh, hurt a little bit.
0: Sh- shortly after having our, well, will probably have our third kid by then so my wife's due the week before that so when yeah. I told her I was doing the Pan Mass Challenge what's the date of it? Uh, well, like the first it's actually the um, f- the fourth anniversary exactly when I had surgery at Dana-Farber um, so that's kind of why beautiful I, that's why yeah. I'm making you do it um, <laughs> uh, so it's like all, the first weekend in August but yeah I mean you know from what I'm told I haven't done it before but from what I'm told like you get a lot of survivors that do it a lot, and, and, and it's all all the funds go to Dana-Farber so um, that'll be cool to be a, a part of that and to, and that'll be part of the progression to uh, to get you to start uh, ponying up uh, fundraising <laughs> to to uh, to Dana farber
1: <laughs> fantastic fantastic um all right so i get I get two two last questions for you uh, first, for someone listening to this right someone maybe like you four or five years ago that is on the treadmill that um, is exploring different ways to improve their self uh, from diet from exercise uh just looking for, for some way to improve themselves and, and kind of approach life in a different way. You know, what, what advice do you give somebody like that?
0: Yeah, um, I've, you know, I've thought a lot about that in the terms of like you don't have to um, get diagnosed with cancer right. to change your life, right? <laughs> right. I and mean, that's, the, that's, the, that's the reason why you're doing what you're doing. And how, But how do you get out of the funk? How do you get out of the, you know, the grind? of you know you got a mortgage right you got kids um is it realistic for you to change your career Uh, is it realistic for you to take up a new hobby or you know what's the motivation to go run a marathon when you could go watch golf on a sunday or mow your lawn right and um i i think in my own little community i try to just do that leading by example and saying hey here's the Cool stuff that I do with my kids. Here's some of the you know activities I'm able to take on. Here's the career success that I continue to try to strive for. And 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 I would encourage people to to look at those examples because the easiest way to get to someplace is someone that cleared a path for you and said, "Hey, I did this." So hopefully, just through this conversation, you know, people can get to, like it is possible. And when you do get to the other side and start, you know, taking the first step. For whatever that is for somebody, it's one, one healthier meal a day, um, reading a new blog, listening to you, um, understanding like what are those healthy choices, setting a goal that seems unattainable. That could be a 5K, right? It could be whatever you're into. Um, and then just tackling that. And then once you're done with that, not treating that as the finish line, but as the starting line of your next endeavor um i think you know take a put a trip on a calendar right that's not maybe the traditional thing that you've been doing and pick up an activity on that trip right so for me it was it was kind of surfing and kite surfing and water activities and things that i was always interested in but like didn't prioritize right and so Picking up something new and just taking a time out from your your daily grind and just saying, hey, I'm going to use this week off um, to pick something else up, or to spend time with my kids, reprioritize what I'm working on, and kind of putting you first, and then conforming your life around that. So if if it's fitness and it's getting healthier, you know, if you can't find an hour in the day to work out, and I'm not. That most people say is you need a new job or mm. you, need, you need to you need to reevaluate kind of where you are because you'll pick that hour back up times 10 throughout the week if you got more energy and you're focused and um you know i think it's it's something that doesn't take uh, significant health scare or a uh, three-month sabbatical to change your life i think people can do it incrementally and then, you know, track their progress, continue to try to improve, um, and enjoy the extra free time that they're given, right? Because you will have just way more time in the day to and, and energy to do the stuff you want to do, and then kind of progress from there.
1: Mm. And to quickly piggyback on that, yeah. It's a progression. Yeah. It's not a I think people get intimidated with the plant-based and kind of vegan uh, terminology and they think they need to, you know, make the entire leap to be plant-based or be vegan right off the bat. And exactly what you just described is what kind of people I think is important to, for people to know. It's, you know, just, just, you know, focus on your breakfast first, make that one little change, uh, just incremental change, exactly what you said. And, you know, it's not an all or nothing thing. It's not a... I'm plant-based or not, it's just slowly improving and making incremental change.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I think, you know, probably gave it a little bit short shrift on what my progression was, you know, post-surgery and post-get into it. But, like, instinctively just gave up red meat, right? Like, my last meal before I had surgery was, like, this ornate... Uh, steak, I don't know, it costs like a hundred bucks or something. Like it was a steak dinner, right? And and not at the, I wasn't at the time like, all right, I'm never going to eat meat again. Whatever, I had surgery, started trying to get healthy and just cut out red meat, right? And then I was still eating chicken a little bit here and there, um, eggs, a lot of fish, you know, um, man, God, I can't even think about like, you know, a lot of carbs, things like that. And then did that for a little while. And now I couldn't even tell you. Like, what the next progression was, but like, eventually, cut out chicken because I kind of experimented with it, felt better, felt like I didn't need it, had a lot more energy when I was eating, you know, just broccoli and hummus and quinoa and stuff like that. Then, started really adding some of these, you know, the, the superfoods get a lot of press. But really, I mean, once you start eating hemp seeds and cheese seeds, you don't need some of the other stuff. Um, you start reading a little bit more. And then you kind of pick your path, right? Like I'll eat fish occasionally, Um, so I'm not a vegan, to be clear. You son of a. (laughs) (laughs) But like. How dare you? (laughs) (laughs) You know, once a month, you know, out in Hawaii, maybe a little bit more. Um, Don't eat cheese, you know. Don't eat any dairy, Um, but I also don't eat really any any kind of refined carbs, or I won't eat breads, you know. So. I kind of have my own, own thing that works for me. I don't yeah. put a lot of thought into it. I eat what feels good. I eat when I'm hungry. You know, I don't, I don't count calories. I haven't stepped on a scale in, you know, a year. Um, but I feel awesome, and I continue to eat what makes me feel good. And, you know, if it comes to the point, and I don't think this is going to be the case, but, like, I start lacking energy or I'm not feeling great, you know, I'll reevaluate it, right? Um, I don't see a future where that includes, you know, eating red meat or eating processed lunch meat, which I used to eat all the time, which is absolutely disgusting. And now that you think, and, and, and never did anything for me, right? Um, and I'm not sitting at my desk waiting for lunch to eat a sub and some chips, and that's not the highlight of my day. I literally eat for fuel and move on. Right. So, um I think we talked a little bit about this like my days aren't consumed thinking about what I'm going to eat when I go out to lunch with, for for business, right? Or what I'm going to eat um if I didn't pack lunch that day, right? Like I could just figure it out on the fly and generally make informed decisions and some days are better than others, right? Like I'll go 3 weeks eating like unbelievable and feel unbelievable and then they will be you know we're traveling uh in three different airports over 24 hours uh, this food's terrible in airports right and so do the best you know, eat a little bit more hummus or you know just skip a meal um so you kind of you kind of figure it out and i think if you adopt it as a lifestyle as opposed to like a thing you have to do the, the choices and decisions get a lot easier
1: yeah um again to piggyback on that that was huge for me, just getting to the point where food wasn't my priority all day. You know, waking up and eating breakfast isn't really even a thought to me. You know, I eat when I want to eat. You know, I don't... At noon, I'm not, you know, fired up to figure out what's for lunch. It's just the the mindset shift when it comes to food and not thinking about it as breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and, you know, kind of this, like, I always, I always say food used to be my, or I was, I was food's bitch. Like, that's, (laughs) that's how I describe it. You know, I really, I was anxious around food. Like when the pizza was delivered, I was anxious to eat it, you know, um, and all of that's changed. And so similar thing happened with you. Food kind of is secondary now, but when you do eat it as fuel, as medicine, as I know yeah. you've said in the past, um, it's it's for those reasons. Yeah, and I,
0: I think one thing that probably didn't touch on that you know yeah. maybe is important for people to about, is like, look, I I read a lot and listen to a lot of stuff and generally try to stay educated. And there's always, even for me, an inclination to make excuses for myself in the terms of like if uh, I'm listening to. Somebody that you know, uh, health and lifestyle is their only thing, or they don't have kids, or Mm. you know, they don't have like the inclination is to be like, Well, if only I had more time Mm. or more resources. And even someone listening to this would say, Well, the guy doesn't even know how to cook, his wife cooks him dinner, probably pretty easy to eat healthy if you got essentially someone right there's always an excuse, right? You know, so I think having two kids, having a demanding job, trying to, you know. Enjoy time with my kids, enjoy my free time, get the most out of every day. Um, is, it's hard. It's a balance. And I think uh, the easy thing for me would be to not be as disciplined in my diet and to make an excuse in that and saying, well, if I had more time, I'd clearly I wouldn't eat the sub or I wouldn't do that. Um, I think you have an intention to, to know that food is fuel and food is medicine. And then you don't have room for those excuses, right? Like if my wife is otherwise preoccupied or has other things going on or can't make dinner that night or I'm, or I'm home by myself, you know, I don't order a pizza, right? It's not like that's, that's great that she does it and she cooks and it makes my life a hell of a lot easier. And there might be somebody out there that doesn't have that resource. that's mm. going to have that, you know, I still eat healthy, right? I still like, I'll eat raw vegetables mm. Which, which yeah, it just take, won't be prepared. I should probably nicely. eat healthier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but, like, <laughs> but like, you know, I'll put, I'll, I, won't, I won't raid the fridge, right? I'll put broccoli and, in a bowl and eat it and put some hummus on top of it, right? Um, I'd have zero variety over a six-month period that might wane a little bit, but, or I'd learn to cook. Um, but I think, you know, there's a, there's a tendency to latch on to excuses, to listen to podcasts or read books and then, you know, internalize it, understand it, but then not act upon it because you're justifying it in your own head. Like, yeah, that's great. I'll do that in a couple of months. Or if I didn't have this going on, I would say there's really no room for excuses. Um, if I can do it and take on some of these challenges with a couple of young kids and being the sole breadwinner with no, you know, um, other support and also take on you know a lot of the fun stuff that i like to do and sit here with you and shoot the breeze on this podcast anybody can do it i mean it's not and, it's, and financially actually i think it saves us some money right i mean we're not going out to eat um we're not buying crazy expensive food we have you know the staples and the vegetables and you know organic versus not organic and what the cost is you know, we think about those things kind of generally, and then you know, we buy the same thing every week. So, and, and, our, and our bill has gone down, I would say. Again, my wife would be better qualified to answer that, but um, no room for excuses, I would say. Just start somewhere, keep tackling it, keep getting better, and then at the end of the day, when you look back every year, you'll say, wow, look what I accomplished, and look how much more uh, advanced I am, now versus where i was a year ago or or every day you know i do it every day i think that's that's an important takeaway
1: well said well yeah. said that's awesome all right i got one more for you yeah this so. has been a very
0: formal like <laughs> ask and answer i was kind of hoping we'd generally a little go back and forth yeah, 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 yeah you yeah, know sorry. i'm letting you go
1: i'm letting you go um all right so this podcast is called de Cream make green yeah. that's kind of my brand um what that means to me is basically I know that eating plant-based, eating vegan puts me in the best position to uh, succeed at whatever it is I do. Uh, whatever it is I want to accomplish in life, I know eating plant-based will, will put me in the right position to do so. Um, and that's kind of how I define the make green portion of that. So we've touched on it a little bit with you, but what would, how would you define uh, make green? Why do you live this lifestyle?
0: Yeah, I think it's, um, it just makes me better at everything I do. I think uh, there's, I I don't eat, um, well, to to use a term, I don't eat green to make money necessarily. It's just not a a direct correlation to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't even get up thinking about, you know, how much money am I going to make today? or, Or what am I, like, I think when you adopt a lifestyle where you're, you know, primarily focused on bringing your best every day. When you wake up, you start getting up earlier, you start getting more accomplished, and you focus on the things that matter to you, and you're generally excited about doing them and, and really being the best you can, both in business, with your family, you know, however you define success, I guess. Um, stuff starts happening for you. Right. I mean, I think people generally like to be around positive people that are optimistic and make stuff happen. Right. I mean, yeah, not every day for me is great. I got two young kids. They just came off 24 hours of flight. I mean, they were a terror on the flight. Right. <laughs> like, and I yell at my kids just like everybody else. And you know, I get frustrated with them and there's days I got more energy, days I have less. Um, but as a baseline, um, I am able to get more accomplished in a day than I certainly was four years ago. And then most people. Um, and every day I try to make that, you know, try to up the stakes for myself and say, what can I do today that I wasn't doing yesterday? How do I build on that success? And I think overall, um, it snowballs. And look, I was a overweight, overworked, you know, uh, lawyer with no money in the bank and, uh path that had me kind of eventually paying off debt and, you know, moving to a bigger house and joining a country club and there's nothing wrong. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that if that's your goal and that's the path you're on. Um, But to look at where I am now, just, you know, four short years later of focusing on the things that are important to me and then the success I've had in a business context to provide for my kids um, has been transformational. You know, I can't attribute that solely to diet, right? I think it was a change in perspective overall for me, um, but I can't imagine it doing it without a really um, disciplined approach to health and wellness, and and using that as fuel to continue to, to do uh, the things that are important to me, and then every day reevaluating those goals and, and making sure I'm on. An authentic right path for me that you know maybe was or wasn't there before right so uh, it's been cool it's been you know it's been fun I like don't spend a lot of time dwelling on the past or my own particular journey so I appreciate you you know making me do that Um, this is
1: your coming out party man yeah dude the book the books the The books books, next it's
0: funny funny, well you know the one the one thing i'll say is i've spent zero i mean as you know you joked about the instagram (laughs) i have an instagram account uh that i never yeah i I follow you and other people that i I think it's just a good way to stay informed yeah um but i don't spend a lot of time telling my story or talking about i think a lot of people that know me Today or do business with me if they listen to this. A lot of this would be,
1: a, yeah, this is a, news. A, a
0: news to them, yeah. um, which is awesome. That's how I like it. But if someone asks me, I'll tell them. Right? Mm. Like I just don't, I don't dwell on on that aspect of it. More on the future and saying, all right, that was that's what triggered me to to reprioritize my life and 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 do that. For somebody else, hopefully this podcast or something they read, something that's a little less severe, um, is the trigger. And then whatever gets it to kind of lock in, whether it's completing your first 5K or, you know, having some success, getting a promotion, you know, taking up a new activity, progressing within that um, is, is awesome. Whatever locks you in and keeps you going, like, that's great. If you've always wanted to learn how to surf, go do it. Right. Like and, and you'll have the energy to do it. And when you you'll suck. Right. You'll not be good. It's it's terrible to be an adult beginner at anything and you got to swallow your pride. But if you embrace that journey and embrace the fact that, look, that's a whole new thing that you picked up that most people wouldn't, uh, it's going to fuel you. Right. If you've always wanted to run or cycle, I mean, there's nothing to prevent you from doing that. So, um, I think it's, a, I think you know, it's a good, it's a good start for anybody. And whatever that trigger is, you know, keep it going.
1: Fantastic. All right, man. I'm, I'm gonna have to have you back when uh, when the book's coming out. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, bud.
1: All right. All right. Thanks, man. amazing conversation. And as Chris said, if he can do it, anyone can do it. You are in full control of your health. And with incremental change, you can make it happen. For those that are interested in adopting a plant based lifestyle, you're in luck. That's what I do. I work with men and women all over the world to adopt this lifestyle, to heal inflammation, to get off their medications, and treat their health at the source, which is with diet and lifestyle. My program called Seven Weeks for the Rest of Your Life is designed to teach you exactly how to transition into a healthier lifestyle. And I give you all the tools, all the resources, everything you need to adopt this lifestyle and apply it to your life for years to come. For more information on my course, pop over to eatgreenmakegreen.com slash coaching. I'll see you guys on the next episode. Have a great week.